Hello and welcome to the Politically Speaking Podcast. I am your kind and generous host, Jason Rosenbaum. Joining me in St. Louis is... Uh, Joe Manis, and I won't get into a debate about whether or not you're kind and generous. I'm actually ruthless and evil. <laughs> Through the magic of radio, we are also have in studio today... Marshall Griffin from the Capitol Studio in Jefferson City. Thank and Marshall you. is kind and generous. He is very kind and generous. It. Very kind and generous. So, My dog thinks, though. So. Absolutely. <laughs> we have a special edition of Politically Speaking today. House Speaker John Deal, a Republican from town and country, has graciously decided to join us to talk about right to work. But before we get into the interview, we wanted to just spend a few minutes explaining to our listeners who aren't quite aware of the basic definitions of what right to work is and why it's kind of come to this point. Now, right to work itself is a shorthand that supporters use to describe the policy of, of, of as follows. Currently in Missouri, if you join an entity that has unionized and you don't want to be part of the union, you still have to pay union dues. And technically, you still have to join the union. Right to work would basically say that if you don't want to join a union, you no longer have to pay dues. So you don't have to join it. In effect, it bars what's called a closed union shop, whereas if a majority of the workers have voted to organize, everybody is technically a member, even if they don't want to be, but and they, everyone has to pay the dues, although uh, people who technically don't want to be members can ask that the portion of the dues that might go for political activity be excised. That's as a result of a Supreme Court decision called the Beck decision several years ago. And just so our listeners know, and you don't send us hate mail, right to work is kind of a, a, a buzzword to describe this. And so opponents of right to work call it right to work for less. They don't like calling it right to work. We're not making an endorsement of it, but we're just using the shorthand for this podcast. But we wanted to explain what it was because sometimes we say the word, but don't really explain it to the full extent like Joe did. Now, Joe has been following this issue for a long time, and there have been numerous unsuccessful attempts to implement this policy in Missouri. Joe, why has it been so hard to basically get this issue past the finish line? Okay, first, just a real quick thing. Uh, 24 states has, have passed uh, right-to-work laws. The last two had been union states, uh, Indiana and Michigan, strong union states, and that was done a couple years ago. So if Missouri, where the Missouri House just approved it, if the Senate follows suit and they were to manage to get the extra votes and override a likely governor veto, Missouri would be the 25th. Now, in Missouri, historically, it has not been uh, popular in general because going back several decades, uh, Missouri has generally been seen as a union state. Um, there was an effort in 1978, it was put on the statewide ballot to make the state a right-to-work state. Uh, both sides spent a lot of money, did a lot of campaigning, and the unions won. Now, Kip Bond, uh, who soon after became governor, uh, has contended, and I've talked to him about this, that he contends that all it did was mobilize Democrats because he contends that it really um, uh, helped Democrats in the next few elections. Uh, for those who care about history, in 1980, uh, Bond uh, he, he became lost. governor again. No, he became yes. governor again. Correct. So so they managed to rebound in two years, but he always contended 
that the 78 vote didn't help Republicans and that he thought it was it was not that politically they could have focused on other things. That said, uh, there have been efforts ever since then to get the legislature to approve making the state right to work state. There have been general somewhat proposals to put it back on the ballot. But for the most part, most supporters of right to work have felt that the best way to get it through um, has been to go through the General Assembly. Now, Marshall, just a few hours ago, for I believe the first time ever, yes. the House passed right to work to the Senate. Kind of explain what happened over the last couple of days and sort of the tenor and the tone of the debate. Well, the tenor and the tone has been the same this year as it's been in recent years. Uh, a lot of, a lot of um, hostility and ridicule by the opponents. Um, in the with the proponents, uh, you know, basically saying, you know, this this is what Missouri needs. We're losing jobs and we're actually losing population to other states that are right to work states. And they namely focused on uh, bordering states, uh, states of border Missouri, uh, uh, namely Tennessee, I believe, Arkansas, Oklahoma. I think they mentioned, but definitely Tennessee and Arkansas getting uh, most of the mention as being right to work. Iowa, right to work states, Iowa as well. Um, now, this year's debate took a little bit of a different tone in that um, there's a, a, a smaller right-to-work bill that would only affect con- the uh, construction industry. But this, uh, the debate on this one also has uh, racial undertones. It's uh, sponsored by uh, an African-American uh, Democrat named Courtney Curtis, um, who um, he's sponsoring this and basically saying that, uh, you know, that the construction industry has been historically discriminatory uh, towards the African-American community and feels that uh, we're perhaps right to work might give, um, you know, his constituents and give, uh, you know, black contractors a better chance at, uh, at getting jobs, uh, basically saying that they've lost faith in the, uh, in the construction unions. Uh, and, and so the, so this particular uh, approach is actually dividing. I want, it's not, Dividing a lot of Democrats, but I'd say a, a, there, there's a bit of an offshoot among uh, some of the uh, the some of the African American community uh, now willing to embrace at least some form of right to work. Now there have been some contentions that a that the bill probably would not pass um, uh, muster in the courts because it only it ear, ear, earmarks only some unions. Then there are others who contend that actually this uh, that Curtis's bill actually reflects in part. Um, a, a battle, a political battle that was going on between the construction uh, trades and some um, African-American Democrats. Some of them blame the fact that most of the construction trades uh, did not side with now former uh, county executive Charlie Dooley, that many of them went with Steve Stinger in his successful effort in 2004 to oust uh, Dooley in the Democratic primary. 2014. Yeah, two, yeah, 2014. We can edit that out. <laughs> and uh, so that there have been some who contend that actually Curtis's bill is an offshoot of this battle that has was pretty pitched in St. Louis County uh, for much of 2014. Uh, so that now, uh, from what I understand, though, that bill did not the final passage was not of that bill. The final passage was of the broader bill, um, Eric Burleson's bill, which that's is the correct. one that now goes to the Senate. So yeah, that, that's correct. Yeah, just a quick, just a quick thing for for Marshall. Wh- where does this debate stand as of now? Well, now it's uh, well, it's obviously has a, a a bit of a more stronger voice in the House. Uh, that said. Uh, there's still not enough 
um, so there's still not enough support in the House to overcome a potential veto from Governor Nixon. There's still, um, still 17 votes short. Yes, 17 votes short. Uh, there, there are a number of Republicans who are pro-union as well. Um, if, if perhaps uh, a symbolic, if perhaps symbolic, uh, uh, Representative Curtis also chose not to vote against the broader right to work bill. He didn't vote for it. He voted present. But uh, in doing that, he was uh, still sending a message. As far as where it goes now, obviously it goes to the Senate, where I would expect there would be a filibuster among uh, the uh, pro-union uh, members of the uh, the Senate, mostly Democrats, maybe one or two Republicans. And at this point, though, it would it would require some uh, some wheeling and dealing uh, to actually get right to work through the Senate. And I don't really think that's possible this year. Uh, could be wrong, but I'd be very surprised if right to work actually got out of the Senate. Now, one of the interesting points is that of the re- Republicans who voted against right to work, that included uh, a lo- significant block of Republicans from St. Charles County. Uh, a, a St. Charles County Senator Tom Dempsey is head of the Senate. Has Dempsey indicated whether or not he um, will publicly endorse right to work, or will he not say anything about it since it's apparently unpopular among other members of his Republican delegation from his county? I don't know the answer to that question yet, uh, but it, I will, it's something that I will, I will definitely be keeping an eye on as, it, as this bill goes through the Senate um, and seeing whether or not uh, Dempsey will uh, you know, st- take, uh, take a position on this or just uh, or let other people fight it out. Well, enough background for now. Let's jump right into our interview with House Speaker John Deal. I first asked him what his reaction was to the House vote and what he thinks it means for the future of this debate. Yeah, no, we're excited about it. As you indicated before, it was a, an historic vote uh, that was taken today. It's the first time in the history of the state that right-to-work legislation has passed out of a body in the General Assembly. Uh, this is something which as you know, has been attempted in past years but fell short on votes. And, you know, today we, 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 we were able to break through on this, and we had substantially more votes than we were able to get in, in past years and I think made a very strong statement that Missouri at some point will join uh, the ranks of right-to-work states. Why do you feel like there is an urgency to get this done this early in the session? Well, number one, it's somewhat of unfinished business from from last year, uh, and, and number two, you know, given the nature um, of the opposition on a bill like that, I think it's important to get it out early uh, to give as much time as possible to 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 work the bill. Um, and it's not a situation where, and it's not the type of bill where you need to refine the language, or where you need to understand what what's in it. Uh, I think that's the, the bill's been very, very vetted out over the past couple of years. It's just a question of getting members comfortable with it and accumulating the, the votes necessary to pass. Now, um, two things. First, um, one, some would say that pro- possibly another reason that you're doing it early is that if it gets through the Senate, then you guys could have it on the governor's desk before the session ends, and therefore he would have to uh, veto or sign it. Uh, so they give you a chance to override. Uh, that's my first question. Did that play into that at well, all? Well, no more than any other bill. I mean, we're, we're doing that with a lot of other issues, too. And I think that's a general strategy that we're trying to 
following the General Assembly is to try to make the vetoes happen while we're in session, where we can dispense of them immediately versus having campaigns being run against the vetoes or for the vetoes uh, over a course of three or four months. Um, <clears throat> last week, we uh, passed out of the House the Unemployment Security Reform Bill, uh, which was vetoed last year. and We were failed to override that veto by one vote. We were able to get it out with <clears throat> enough votes. Uh, I think it was 112 to 113 votes uh, with a couple of yes votes absent. And so that that's another that's another bill. So you're going to be seeing quite a bit of that this year, getting bills out early so we can deal with the vetoes early also. Now, um, the House vote, while 92, which was 10 more than you needed to get passage, it was 17 less than you need for an override. Um, how are you going to try to get those 17? I mean, well, on I mean the, that, that, under sure, the that, assumption that— I mean, that, 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 that that's a, you know, a premature question. Okay. Now. A veto override vote is a different vote okay. and a different set of considerations than you have on a third read and passage. So you know, we'll we'll have a strategy to deal with that if and when the bill gets back to us in that fashion. The, the message today is, is that there were 15 more votes uh, for this bill. By the way, we had a couple members absent with one was legitimately ill and one had a family uh, commitment. So we there are actually two more votes that were reflected in the vote tally today. So, so, so we've in, we've increased the vote total on this by about fifteen to sixteen votes over where it was just a few months ago. So the vote, the final vote today was what ninety four? <clears throat> you're saying? No, it was. I think today it was ninety two. Okay, ninety two. There are two members that could not make the vote that are solid yeses. So I want to walk through this issue, kind of on why you feel that it is a necessary thing for the state to do and also for you to respond to some criticism. Now, when I've talked with other proponents of right to work over the years, they've always talked to me about how they feel this policy would make the economy of the state stronger compared to if you didn't have that policy. I'd like you to explain to me why you feel it would make the state's economy better if you implement right to work, basically. Absolutely. Uh, two principal reasons. Number one, whether we want to acknowledge it or not, we are in a competition with other states for jobs and employers. And when you look at Missouri, you know we're uniquely positioned in the middle of the country, but we also have many other states that border us. But what's really interesting about Missouri is how much of our commerce is actually located very, very close to the border of another state. We go all around St. Louis, Hannibal, St. Joseph, Kansas City, Joplin, Branson. Springfield is relatively close to the border. Uh, you've got Poplar Bluff, Cape Girardeau, St. Genevieve. Most of our commerce in the state is located within a short drive of another state. Of the states that surround us, Iowa, Nebraska, Kansas, Oklahoma, Arkansas, and Tennessee – are all right-to-work states, Illinois being an exception and Kentucky being an exception. And even Illinois this week with the new governor took steps to make public employees by by executive order right-to-work and then indicated this week they're going to be pushing a legislative agenda to have right-to-work zones uh, in the state of Illinois. So even Illinois is realizing that this 
policy creates economic opportunities. And why is that? <clears throat> it, 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 it opens up for Missouri opportunities for companies to locate here that will only consider right-to-work states. I think one of the really compelling things that came out this year that wasn't talked about in past years you know, is the, <clears throat> is the position of site selectors and that those are individuals and companies that help companies decide where they're going to locate by evaluating states' tax policies, labor policies, economic development policies. Well, there was a conference this year at the Lake that was talked about quite a bit on the House floor that, surprisingly enough, was put on by the Department of Economic Development, which is controlled by Governor Nixon, as well as the Missouri Partnership, which is controlled by Governor Nixon. The, the takeaway from that conference was that Missouri loses about 87, is not even considered for about 87% of the opportunities available for relocations or expansions because they'll only consider right-to-work states. And that's in the manufacturing world. So there's nothing wrong with giving us as many possibilities as we can. Because if by passing right to work, it doesn't mean we're prohibiting unions. It doesn't prohibit anybody from joining a union. It makes it voluntary and not mandatory. And, and so I think it's good to give workers choices. It's good to give companies choices and let the free market work it out. Now, um, one of the things that critics have emphasized was that in Missouri, with its smaller union population than it used to have, most of the labor is, frankly, concentrated in the St. Louis and Kansas City area as far as labor unions. So the towns you mentioned, like St. Genevieve or Springfield or other towns that are near the borders with other right-to-work states, there's, in effect, no unions down there anyway. So one of the contentions was why mess with the urban areas when, it, in effect, they contend it really doesn't affect uh, rural Missouri because there's no unions there anyway. A, a person could locate there, a company could locate there now, and not it probably wouldn't be a union. Uh, yeah, and th- th- think how ridiculous that argument is. Okay, I mean, that is truly one of the more ludicrous arguments I've heard in defense of not or in support of not doing right to work. That that gee, in outstate Missouri, <clears throat> there are no unions. Well, why are there no unions? Because all the jobs have left. They've gone to Tennessee, Arkansas, Oklahoma, and the other states that border us. Look at outstate Missouri and rural Missouri used to be full of Tier 2 and Tier 3 manufacturers that would support the Tier 1 manufacturers in the urban areas. Those manufacturers, and these are the exact same type of jobs that the site selectors were talking about, when they look for for places to build, to expand and relocate, they look for right-to-work states. We had a very compelling uh, story told by one of our new members from New Madrid County who told of a company several, a couple decades ago that <clears throat> that would locate in his county if Missouri became a right-to-work state in the 1970s. They did not, so they located right across the border of New Madrid County. And that company now employs five, I think it was 5,000 people. And those employees drive over the state border into the right-to-work state where the employer is located. 
Okay, so the reason there are no unions in outstate Missouri or very few is because the jobs have left. The manufacturing jobs have left. We want to bring those jobs back. I wanted to ask you to respond to a common argument that's been put up by proponents or opponents of right to work, and that is that by uh, essentially allowing people to not pay union or representation fees um, through this policy, they're essentially "quote unquote" freeloading, and this is a this is an argument that is this in particular in this clip was expressed by House Minority Leader Jake Hummel. Union members have to pay and subsidize for the union, the members that are not paying union dues. They still get the same benefits. They still get the same representation. According to federal law, labor unions have to have to bargain collectively and advocate for those people, even if they're not paying union dues. I think that's unfair. How do you respond to that argumentation? Well, that, that, that's called the, the free rider argument, and that's a very disingenuous and does not correctly state the law. In fact, we call it the forced rider situation. When unions organize under federal law, they have the opportunity to elect as to whether or not they want to be the exclusive bargaining, the exclusive bargaining entity uh, for that shop. Okay? The reason unions elect under federal law to be the exclusive bargaining agent for that shop. And because of that, and under federal law, they negotiate for everybody that's there. The unions can solve that problem by simply electing not to be exclusive. And that, in that case, they would only bargain for their members. So that situation, to the extent it exists, is created by the unions themselves. If, 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 there, if there's an opportunity for someone within an entity that has unionized to not only not be part of a union, but not pay union dues, and there's less money going to that union, is it possible that that union is not going to have the resources that they can get to negotiate better wages or benefits for everybody? And that could result in lower wages or lower benefits or just worse working conditions for people? A union should be an entity just like any other entity that has to prove its value. Any business that exists has to prove its value to its customers. Okay? If, if a union is doing a good job and is providing value to its members, people will want to join the union. If they don't provide value, people will not want to join the union. It's that simple. What we're saying is that people shouldn't be obligated to join a union which was created decades ago, oftentimes before people working there were even born, and they'd be forced to join that union and pay dues just for the privilege and right of holding a job. It's not right. Workers need to have some choice. Now, what about those who um, are concerned that that they say that actually what the Republicans are doing is really political, is that they're trying to uh, hit at the financial level labor unions who have traditionally generally backed Democrats, that this is really about trying to hit the hit the uh, purse of um, uh, the Democratic Party. How do you respond to that? Well, once again, that, that's, a, that's a laughable argument. I, couldn't you just as easily say that the Democrats are defending the practices of labor unions because they're the biggest donors of the Democratic Party? I mean, look at it. This is about providing 
choices to workers. If unions do a good job and provide value to its members, members will want to join that union. And if members join that union, unions will be financially healthy, legitimately, by providing value to the members and not just because they have rights bestowed upon them decades ago that workers have no say or input into. Now, now what's been the reaction of supporters and other groups like the chamber and everybody? I I mean, I, I would think that today's vote really has uh, kind of, will have implications beyond Missouri's border. I was interested what, what you think. that. So we just took the votes a few hours ago, so I haven't had it chance to visit with too many groups yet but yeah I, I think in a lot of respects it's a it's a watershed uh, it's a watershed move, moment uh, here in the state it's the first time this this vote has been taken and the first time it's moved forward uh, to, to to this extent so yes I, I think it will have an effect on other places also wanting to take a look at this and I think it will continue to spark discussions here one of the things that I think has made uh, right to work, and difficult to pass is the fact that the Senate has uh, the filibuster. And from talking with a lot of Democratic members um, in, in years past, they have said this is kind of a fall on the sword issue where they would filibuster it, even if there's the votes to pass. Are you getting the sense that this may be a situation where that may not happen, where it may need a PQ or something? Like, how do you, how do you get this through the Senate, basically? I am a member of the House. I ele- I was elected to lead the House. Uh, I'm not going to get into the Senate procedures or how Senate leadership over there <clears throat> may or may not choose to deal with this issue. It's it's not my prerogative to comment on that, and I'll, I'll let them do their job. Well, one of the things I would like you to comment on is the fact that in this vote, I mean, you have 117 members of the House— um, you know, it was only 92 votes, which means some Republicans oppose right to work. And, and uh, I'm, I'm going to showcase an example of somebody who used to be in the House who's now in the Senate, Senator Paul Wheland of Jefferson County, who, who expressed last year to us why he doesn't favor right to work. Right now, with the immigration policy that we have in the United States, I think right to work is a, a terrible idea for the state of Missouri. Okay, I think it would just decimate these people that have good family-staining jobs now. What do you make of some of the Republicans on both sides of the chambers that don't support right to work? Why do you think that's happening, and how do you kind of overcome that, especially when the vetoes uh, come into play? Members are elected to represent their districts. When you move, when you move major legislation like this, it's a process, and I think we've seen time and time again that votes on an override don't necessarily correlate with votes that are taken on a third read. Now, don't get me wrong. I think this is going to be a very, it'll be a very difficult vote to override. But the correlating factor is not what the third read vote was. Now, does it, okay, looking at it from just a broader perspective, whether um, this is overridden, whether it gets through the Senate, overridden or not, does the fact that it gets either just through the House or even just if if it gets through the General Assembly, regardless of what happens with Nixon, does that in itself send a message as far as 
the climate in Missouri and how you approach business? Oh, I think it absolutely does, and I think it sets a tone for the governor's race in 2016. So, I mean, look at it. Once again, I know I saw like a broken record on this, but major policy changes, whether they be, you know, tax cuts or right to work or other issues like that, are are continuums. They, they, they don't happen in one session, and it's, it's building upon the session before. This couldn't have happened this year if the progress weren't made last year. Uh, last year's progress wouldn't have happened if it weren't for the progress the year before. And so, so I, I, I personally believe that Missouri will inevitably be a right-to-work state, whether it's this year, next year, or two years from now. You know, it remains to be seen, but but it's certainly a step in that direction. Can you expand on your on your thoughts that you say it sets a tone in the governor's race in 2016? Can you expand on that? Well, I mean, look, obviously, if it passes the General Assembly and it's vetoed by the governor and the next governor will sign it, that becomes an issue. OK, um, I just have a quick procedural question. I know that there sure. were two bills that were debated this week. One was just a right to work for all unions and one was for construction unions. Was that combined into one bill or what What happened with that exactly? No, there, there, were, there, there were two different bills and actually the first bill was, interestingly enough, a, a right to work bill for construction trade unions filed by a Democrat. Uh, so we, we at Courtney Curtis from St. Louis um, and, and that bill, uh, we, we heard that yesterday we perfected it. Today, we just perfected the uh, Representative Burleson's right-to-work bill. That other bill still remains on the calendar, and you know, that's the floor leader's prerogative on when, when he chooses to go to that. So only Burleson's bill is going to the Senate right now is what you're saying? Correct. My question, the reason I bring that up is I think that while some are portraying that as kind of a, you know, a rogue Democrat supporting right to work, it really seems to be an offshoot of a larger controversy that started in St. Louis County that basically started in 2012 when there was an ordinance passed by the St. Louis County Council and signed into law by St. Louis County Executive Charlie Dooley that had an apprenticeship requirement for basically all construction contracts. And your predecessor had hinted that, you know, the legislature may take action to try and you know, obliterate that type of thing. Obviously, under right to work, that type of thing may change. Um, is there any effort on the on the part of the General Assembly maybe to take a look at ordinances like that and maybe, you know, essentially supersede them through legislation? Or is it just right to work right now? I, I'm, I'm not aware of anybody that's filed a bill in that regard. I, I, I could be wrong, but I believe I'm not sure that bill was actually signed into law, was it? I, I could be wrong. I, I don't I'm not on the St. Louis County Council, and obviously it, it's probably best Senate, that you so. don't pay super close attention <laughs> like I do, or you go right. insane. Basically, <laughs> I have a hard enough time tracking what's going on up here. But but to answer your question about action on that in the General Assembly, yeah, you know, we've had about 800 bills filed so far. Uh, it may be that someone's filed something to deal with that or to try to address that. It has not made it to my radar screen. Now, are there other, I know there's a paycheck protection bill, which may or may not be pertinent if right to work passes, but uh, do you expect uh, final action on that bill and any other labor-related bills in the next few? Well, for, first, we uh, that, that bill, I believe, uh, will make, 
has made it out or will shortly make that out of out of committee. Uh, when that's done, I'm sure that will be put on the calendar. We'll consider it. Very good. Thank you very much for, for joining us on short notice. For more on all of our stories, including this very intense debate on right to work, you can follow us at stlpublicradio.org. You can follow me on Twitter at Jay Rosenbaum. You can follow Joe on Twitter at, at Jay Manis. That's J-M-A-N-N-I-E-S. And you can follow the venerable speaker on Twitter at... Oh, you always ask me this question. I, I'm not allowed to handle my own Twitter account. At John Deal Jr. There we go. So, so someone hands that for us. Thank you very much, as okay. always. Bye. And we will be back next week. Until then, so long. Yeah, and safe Talk travels. To you later.